Hey everyone, welcome to The Commentarians. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Gina. And we're here to talk over your movies. Uh, hi everyone, welcome to The Commentarians. Is this Prairie Home Companion? Husband Bulge is now a part of my permanent vocabulary. <laughs> I saw a squirrel. I am going to point out real quick, this to me is like the most disturbing scene in the entire movie. Stop listening right now and go watch Firefly. Hey, this is my podcast. I'm sorry, sorry, Joe. <laughs> we are saying that not only have we been wounded, we survived, and there's a God who heals of these wounds. Jesus isn't about the isms. Uh, he's about his kingdom. Because it is kind of like this idea that Jesus died for all of our sins, except when you had sex. And Jesus doesn't cover that. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Commentarians. As you heard, uh, Gina Delfonso is uh, joining us again. How you doing, Gina? Doing very well, thanks. Glad to be back. Yeah. Um, we're doing, of course, a Christmas movie, as uh, we have done in the past. And this time, of course, we're doing the classic It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, I, I, gotta, I gotta be completely honest with you. I did not watch the movie beforehand <laughs> to watch it this time because I think I pretty much got it down. I, and I want to watch it again for the first time, uh, you know, with you so that I'm fresh and excited. I was just yeah, so excited that I wanted to be <laughs> fresh for it. That, that's not a bad approach. Um, I almost did the same thing because I've seen this movie so many times. And then I thought, well, I do want to sort of be reminded of of um, like key points that I want to hit on. So, um, yeah, so that works out. <laughs> you, you can be fresh and I can be like, um, you know, using my notes and yeah. uh, we'll meet in the middle somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into it because this is, uh, you know, uh, over two hours, is it? Yeah. Two hours, 10 minutes according to mm -hmm. my counter, and uh, it's worth every minute, so uh, let's jump into it. Uh, if you haven't done, uh, heard an episode before, we do a countdown, three, two, one, and then press play, and then you press play, and we'll be synced up. Right now, the first thing you're going to see is a bell ringing. Right now, I have a black screen, so it's going to be, that's going to be the first image that pops up, so if you're paused there, uh, let's do the countdown and get started. Three, two, one play okay bell ringing yep there it is liberty films just popped up and then a carriage with a pulled by a horsey page turns frank capra's it's a wonderful life now uh somebody brought up the idea of um disney when they do when they did the uh their their animated movies, they made, they they started a lot of them with a book being pulled off the, to the shelf and opening to that story. And it's almost like the cartoon we're watching is actually the story being told. Like they're telling us mm -hmm. a story and we're watching it. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what do you make of this? Because uh, I think when we did um, A Christmas Carol, they did the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that, I, I always loved the, when they did that in uh, Disney cartoons, but I hadn't made the comparison. That's, that's a good one. Um, yeah. The, the backstory of this movie is it's actually based on a short story that couldn't find a publisher and ended up being printed in Christmas cards. So, <laughs> so um, 
that what we're seeing here with the little illustrations with Santa Claus and, and Christmas trees and churches and so forth uh, actually kind of uh, brings, it's like a nice little callback to that particular background. So uh, yeah, it's very fitting. Yeah. And he, here we're starting to see um, Martini's uh, bar here. Is that, or is this the bar? I don't remember. Yeah. yeah such Martini. a perfect name for a bar. <laughs> I know. And it's, you're, you're essentially seeing different shots of this town and uh, Bedford Falls, and you hear voiceovers of people praying for George Bailey. Mm -hmm. And then you hear angels, uh, for those who have not seen this movie, I don't know where you've been, but uh, <laughs> but uh, there's going to be angels uh, talking about, man, like a lot of people love this George Bailey. What's up with that? Uh, you know, who is this guy? Or what's wrong with him? What's like, what's happening? And uh, mm -hmm. it's a great little introduction and I should say, I I know I just said that uh, if you haven't seen this movie, where have you been? It took me a long time to actually watch this. I didn't watch it until I was in my twenties because I've seen it. I've seen so many parodies of it. <laughs> I thought it was going to be kind of a a corny, silly kind of film because of the exaggerations of uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart's uh, you know caricature that they make of him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Capra, Frank Capra, the director, uh, definitely has that reputation. And it's it's fascinating uh, because, you know, he could be corny and sentimental. And then he could also go very, very dark. And you'll see that in this movie. He's kind of like Dickens in that respect, which right. is interesting because, because, of course, this movie has so much in common with The Christmas Carol. But uh, Capra does that. He... he it's so funny how many people remember this film as sentimental and go back and watch it again and go, whoa, that is dark. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, um, it's so interesting how a person's reputation works and how our memories work and how all that uh, reflects these images of things back to us that we've sort of have forgotten. Um, and the, the, the sentiment would not work nearly as well if it didn't go so dark, I think, because yeah. then you get the contrast, you get the light and the dark, they play off each other, they work together, and it all, it all uh, comes out really, really good. But yeah, it, it's, um, when you do parodies and stuff, and of course, a lot of the parodies are, are really funny, but, but yeah, parodies pick up on the things that are easiest to exaggerate and so yeah that that's why the sentimental side i think gets remembered so well or that's part of the reason yeah and yeah i i, I don't know it's it that's the thing about um frank capra and i think um the reason so many people love him is because like you just said he can go really dark but he has a love for humanity Mm -hmm, I think that yes. he 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 believes in the goodness of mankind, and I think that's what comes through with all these movies is that things can get really really dark, but at the end of the day, there's enough of us to have hope. Mm -hmm. There's enough good in us to have hope in one another. Yeah, he's and he's very community focused, and you see so much of that approach and that belief and those values that you were just talking about. Uh, in the way he handles crowd scenes, and we'll get a mm. chance to get into that more later. He can see the danger of a mob, and he can see the potential of a mob or a crowd, maybe that's a better word, to do good. Um, it can go either way, but but he he is he sees both. He sees both possibilities. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it, it's 
it's really interesting how that works. And um, I just wanted to say something real quick about the little blobs of stars uh, that we saw <laughs> as angels at the beginning. Um, it, it, it's it's very again that's an interesting approach. I was just reading a, a really good book uh, called Better Left Unsaid by Nora Gilbert, which I recommend, and she talks a little bit about how It's a Wonderful Life and other movies of that time were not allowed to be too religious. It's funny Christians really? now so often say this movie is not religious enough because it did not have a sinner's prayer, it did not have the name of Christ, it did not have this, it did not have that. Whereas back in the day, the censors. Um, who presumed to be speaking for community tastes were like, if you get too religious openly, you're being irreverent. <laughs> so, huh. so that, uh, if you ever wondered about how, how some of the movie's religious approach and approach to divine things came about, that's a big part of it. Yeah, because I remember movies back then being incredibly religious. Uh, yeah, I suppose because... Sometimes, yeah. yeah, sometimes they could be, but but they had to walk a very fine line. Right. Because, and I think that's what we we don't understand is they are talking about a God and a Christian mm -hmm. God, but you can't be too specific. And I think that that's what, uh, what I didn't realize is that you, I think they were allowed to mention that there is a God that exists, but just you can't be very specific about the religion that you're talking mm -hmm. of. So that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Wow. Yeah, that, it's interesting that that was the voice of authority at the time. Mm. Uh, so, so now we have we see little George with his two little groupies, <laughs> which is very cute, and um, uh, Mary, little Mary. I don't know how old she'd be here. Maybe ten or eleven is mm -hmm. already uh, completely on fire for George. <laughs> And uh, he's like completely clueless about it, which will track with uh, later events, as right? We'll see. <laughs> and um, yeah, and so he gets her to eat coconut, which I mean, that just shows you. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> this girl will do um, anything for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like coconut, but but if if a guy said to me like, um, well, you have to eat like something I really like kale or something that I really hate because um, <laughs> because you know it, it's it's got this wonderful history or something. <laughs> yeah. If I ate the kale, that would be a sign <laughs> because I really, really hate kale. Yeah. But anyway, um, so here we go with uh, Mr. Gower and he lost his son. And this part just like rips your heart out and stomps on it. This is the first darkness that we're seeing mm -hmm. because this is pure Norman Rockwell Americana, you know, mm -hmm. tiny streets and kids, you know, with their little sayings and little phrases and, you know, going to play baseball. And then he comes to work, you know, he, as a child, he works at this little soda fountain and at a drugstore and Mr. Gower, like you mentioned, uh, he, he just lost his son in the war and George knows it. Mm -hmm. And we just went from this Americana, beautiful, you know, when things were good, people say, and then we see mm -hmm. that, oh, you're right. Reality always comes through. Death yeah. and sadness and mourning comes through. And mm -hmm. it gets even darker when he comes, when he comes. Uh. Yeah. 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 Let's see. Um, yeah. So little George is in a pickle here trying to figure out what to do. An interesting little note on the casting here um, while we're waiting for, for George to figure this out. H.B. Mm -hmm. um, Warner, who plays Mr. Gower, had played Christ in an earlier movie, um, a silent film. Mm. I, I forget which one. King of Kings, maybe? Don't I couldn't swear to it, but I think that was the one. And um, 
Capra, or so I've heard, kind of liked the idea of casting him against type here um, and having him be like sort of the the um, the addled (laughs) druggist (laughs) and um, and and do some like not very Christ like things. So, um, yeah, Capra was kind of like Hitchcock in a way. Capra was uh, a guy who liked to play around with reputations and cast people against type and do interesting little things in that way. Yeah. And uh, speaking of casting, we're getting some fantastic actors here. We just saw Thomas Mitchell, one of the all-time great character actors, mm-hmm. and here we have here we have the wonderful Lionel Barrymore, um, who uh, interestingly almost played Scrooge in a movie, but then he he got hurt, broke his leg or something, and couldn't do it. Oh. Uh, but I mean, he, <laughs> look at the man—he was born to play Scrooge. And yeah. he sort of gets to here in a way. Um, uh, uh, there's, I mean, he's not the protagonist and he's not going to, you know, have his big redemption or anything like that, but, but he's doing very Scrooge-like work here. Yeah, and uh, Peter Bailey here, hardly in the movie at all, but it's almost mm-hmm. he's almost like the spirit of this whole film, of George, yes, which is yes. really interesting because I just realized, uh, I just saw his face and I'm like, oh, we don't see him again, really, I don't think. I think he has one more scene and that's it. Oh, that's um, right. I, yeah. Yeah. But, but you're right. He's so incredibly influential and um, it, in a, in a really good way. Um, he, he's uh, he gives George his values and it's so interesting the way, how subversive that is. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't see him like standing up and being a manly man against Potter. We just see him sort of doing what he has to do to survive and get his little business to survive. <laughs> and so like, we're not getting, getting a big he-man father kind of influence here, but we are getting a very, um, a quietly good influence. Um, and so here, um, yeah. Mr. Gower finds out about the poison and this is oh gosh this is just so sad this i know thing. because he he's really smacking george he's so I angry with him here. it's so dark <laughs> so sad and then he's just begging him for forgiveness and because he saved him he you know he, yeah. as, a, as a druggist he accidentally put pills put poison in a customer's pills because he was just yeah. so distraught maybe drunk from which you know, I mean that that's kind of points to the future in the other story. If George mm-hmm. hadn't been born, he this is where it started. He was getting yeah. drunk just then, and imagine mm-hmm. if he would have gone to jail for what he da- for what he'd done. Yeah, and then we yeah. see the conclusion to that. Yeah, yeah, everything, everything, as you said, starts early and is carried through so beautifully. I mean, all all these different characters, all these different little story arcs. Um, they're just they they pay such loving attention to all of it, and there's just so much so much detail, even in these little characterizations and little little subplots. And um, here is grown up George looking at, and and right away we're going to come come right back to that because uh, Mr. Gower picked him out this suitcase and bought it for him. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so we came right back to that little incident from childhood, which is which is really sweet. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody else could have played George Bailey other than, other than Jimmy Stewart. No, I don't think so. I, just how expressive his whole body is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's Mr. Gower looking pretty good. Yeah. 
Looks like his business and, has gotten even more successful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is like, this was, this came out, I think, in December 46. So this is being made in 46. Uh, Jimmy Stewart was just back from the war. Capra was just back from the war. And the interesting thing is neither of them wanted to make a movie about war. Mm. Um, and so war does touch on this. I mean, as we just saw, um, Mr. Gower's son, while in the military, I think, I, I don't think he killed in action. I think he died of the flu. But I mean, war, World War I it comes right into the movie oh. at the beginning and then we're going to we're going to come to world war two after that and uh and see its influence so it was very interesting that even if you didn't want to make a movie about war at this time you almost couldn't avoid it that yeah. it had just finished and that shadow was still very very great hmm. so here here we have the original burton ernie which is kind of fun <laughs> <laughs> which and, yeah no matter what you think or what you, Burton Ernie, we still don't quite know whether the Muppets of Burton Ernie were named after them because you hear yeah. this, both stories that no, it wasn't them, it was just a coincidence. But then you hear from somebody else who worked with uh, Jim Henson who said, Oh, no, absolutely, it was named after those. But you really don't know the story because <laughs> one of the great mysteries, yeah, different people say different things and they both seem to work for Sesame Street and all these. So we, we really don't know. Yeah, it's funny. Um, uh, Beulah Bondi, who plays uh, the mother here, she played Jimmy Stewart's mother five times. I had to go look it up to refresh my memory. Wow. Uh, four, four times in movies and one time in uh, tele on a television show. So um, they were they were close, and and uh, he used to call her mom <laughs> just because <laughs> he got so used to her playing his mother. <laughs> yeah. And. Um, so here we have here we have the very grown up looking high school graduates. Yes, <laughs> which, you know, it's, hard, it's hard if they have to play them like for a number of years. They have to play these characters, then I mean they'll, they'll look like they should. Uh, they'll look the right age, like by the main <laughs> part of the film. But right. it, here we just have to sort of go with it. <laughs> so yes, and uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, here's. Uh... His father again, older now, and mm -hmm. we really have this. And again, uh, the the gentleman who plays uh, Mister uh, Mister Potter, Lionel Barrymore, mm -hmm. such a great actor. Also, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. again, his expressive face, which I don't think we have a lot anymore in Hollywood. Yeah. Back then, yeah. so much expression in existed in the face. And mm -hmm. I think today we have like maybe uh, the, who's the uh, Andy Circus? I think he's the uh, <laughs> the most expressive, which is why they keep using him for different, uh, you know, uh, uh, computer generated, you know, <laughs> characters. Yeah, that's true. That makes sense. Yeah, um, Barrymore. Um, he and his siblings, um, of course, had that theatrical training. Uh, the Barrymores were this big theatrical family um, and Lionel and John and Ethel all worked in the theater and worked in movies and were wonderful. But yeah, um, they, they had that. Uh, I think that's where a lot of their ability to be expressive and emotive uh, came from mm, the theater. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, so here we have uh, George wants to sort of 
get out and um, see the world. And his father is kind of trying to, they're, they're trying to see each other's point of view a little bit. Right. Um, his, his father is like, you know, there's, everybody should have a home and like in my own way, I've, I've contributed to that and, you know, sort of making him see. So like, again, again, like you said, very, very influential, making him see that um, you can be like cooped up in a shabby little office, <laughs> George's work <laughs> and still make a difference in the world. Yeah. And um, yeah. And, but George is, George is all energy and eagerness here. Yeah. And this is what's interesting is uh, every, you know, especially now because of the internet uh, and, uh, articles, every, like, you know, tons of people have to write, have to put up content, all these uh, BuzzFeed and Vulture and all these websites. The writers have to put out a ton of content, you know, just to get clicks. And so mm-hmm. I think that's where this came from. But there's been quite a few articles written about how this is actually a terrible movie or <laughs> at least a terrible message because it's mm-hmm. basically encouraging people. It's kind of giving a positive message to the idea of just settle down and don't pursue your dreams. And that's completely missing the point of what this movie is saying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think those were the same people who, I think those came from the same authors who were trying to argue, well, actually, pre-Reformation Scrooge is good because, you know, he gives (laughs) people jobs and and blah, blah, blah. And again, uh, it going right over their heads, (laughs) missing completely. Because, yeah, he wants to get out of town. He thinks his dad isn't, he knows he's, his dad is a good man. You know, he was his hero when he was a child. Mm-hmm. And, but he wants to go out and see the world. He wants to explore the world, which isn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of explaining that there, you can be, you can do a lot if you don't do that. If you, which, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's um, yeah. It, so it's not like it's not trying to tell you like think small. It's just it's it's just trying to say that like anybody can do good things on whatever scale, but they do them, mm-hmm. and it it doesn't have to be a huge scale. And it, it and it, it's it's really a point worth considering. And here's here's Sam Wainwright with the hee haw. I don't know where the hee haw. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like okay dude you're grown up well they are still in high school of course even (laughs) though these these 40 year old men (laughs) they are playing high school students so maybe that's the confusion but yeah Yeah. this notion that you could do a lot with you know in a really small town I, i don't know it's just this beautiful notion that uh i forget which and you'll you'll remember it i'm sure uh, but in a C.S. Lewis story where a person is being taken through heaven, uh, I don't remember which one that is, but uh, it doesn't Divorce? Yeah, the great divorce, right. And mm-hmm. then they show a woman who's being praised by angels. Yes, and, I love that part. Yeah, and he's like, well, she must have been a great person. He's like, no, she just like said hi to people. <laughs> she just yeah. was nice to folk. And that meant yeah. so much to so many people. That those little things matter. Yeah, yeah, that that's like probably my favorite part of the Great Divorce, and you know, just for the reasons you mentioned that that um, that it 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 shows that um, just being a good person and caring for people matters so much. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
And so here is here is uh, grown up Mary, yeah. and <laughs> still still all moony eyed over George. And um, <laughs> this Charleston bit is so funny. Um, poor Jimmy Stewart trying to do the Charleston when he's like nine feet tall, <laughs> <laughs> or however tall he was. Right. And um, yeah, it's it's really adorable. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. How how tall was Jimmy Stewart? I think if I if I'm if I'm serious about it for a minute, I think he was like six, three and a half, six, four, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, it's like, I don't know if the Charleston was like made for people like with really <laughs> long legs, but, <laughs> but he's, he's giving it a try. He's yeah. Doing his, he's doing his best with it. And um, yeah, it's, it's um, this, the styling here is interesting. These costumes and hair. Uh, the year we've seen on the banner is 1928. I think Violet has the flapper look down the best. Yeah. So some of the others are like sort of half and half, but you know it's it's not bad. A lot of a lot of films back then and now, uh, when they try to go period, they like get everything all messed up. They have like the completely wrong hair and wrong costumes. So it, they sort of made an effort here. Like it's not. Perfect, but it's not bad. Yeah, and I think George's suit is very floppy, a lot of fabric, mm -hmm. which I think, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the 1940s, that became uh, a no-no with the mm -hmm. the zoot suitors, you know, that became the style yeah. at the time. And they, you know, the war because of the war effort, they told them to conserve material, so don't wear oh, yeah, too much fabric. Sense. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's yeah. what this is uh, kind of referencing. Yeah, good point. See, you you have a good eye for the guys' outfits, and I sort of am watching the girls. So, yeah. so between us, we make a good team here. And again, this yeah. is very much a Charlie Chaplin style <laughs> gag, yeah. where they keep dancing to the edge of the pool and then almost falling and don't quite. And everybody's that must have been very difficult to do. But yeah, yeah they really, it's really funny how they do it. <laughs> um, and uh, a, a, a little small town high school having a setup like this is pretty. I know, right? <laughs> and I, I love how they, they like come up out of the water, keep dancing, don't miss the beat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then everybody starts jumping in. Uh, yeah, again, a boy who has a crush on Mary decides, you know, Mary likes George. And so out of jealousy decides, well, I'm going to ruin this for them. I'm going to, yeah. you know, open up the doors to the pool and they're going to fall in. And it's going to be hilarious, and it just makes things even better. <laughs> yeah. So again, here, here you have Capra showing, uh, showing a crowd scene like gone right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How much fun a crowd can have when something goes like hilariously wrong, and you're just like, well, okay, I'm going to go with it. Mm -hmm. And one of the most romantic scenes in film history. Yes. 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 I think that this little. Yeah, uh, this little encounter or this this little moment where they're singing to each other, walking each other home, like <laughs> her uh, Mary in a robe and George in a football uniform because that's all the the dry clothes that they had at the school. Yeah, I, it took me. I don't know when I was a kid. It took me. I don't know how many viewings to figure out this was actually supposed to be a football outfit. I mean, he does. <laughs> I think he does say it at some point, but I was just like. No, really? That's what they used to wear for football. Yeah, it, 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 they were pretty ridiculous outfits back in the day. <laughs> yeah. And again, they're supposed to be padded up with pads. and Yeah, yeah, he, I guess so. Which yeah, is why it's so baggy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, again, this is 
incredibly romantic. Uh, it's dark. They're in, uh, you know, they, they just had this incredible night. They're walking each other home. And he just, the whole moon speech is perfect. Mm-hmm. It is gorgeous, beautifully written, and... Uh, yeah, hey, Jimmy Stewart had a knack for giving speeches in the moonlight. <laughs> yeah, struck <laughs> me suddenly. Uh, he did. He did something kind of like that in uh, the Philadelphia story. Very different character. Right. Very different uh, speech. Very different setting. But uh, something about the moonlight just seems to get him going. <laughs> he, he just uh, he he does just a simply a wonderful job. Right. Uh, and here here they uh, they start knocking out the windows in this house and. Like this guy actually, uh, the, the the guy who's sitting on the, is, is this guy, I never can quite tell, is he actually supposed to be in that house or is he like next oh. door? No, no, that's an abandoned house, which is why they were able to move into it later okay, in the future. Okay. But he's like in but, a house across the street. Okay, something about the way that was shot always confused me. But, but right. yeah, here he goes with the moon speech. Or or the fir- the first part of his speech. Yeah. About how he's going to see the world and stuff, and and Mary, I love how you could just see her thinking, and she's like, "Yeah, she's got her own ideas and her own wish, and, and <laughs> she's going to do something about it." Um, and she's pretty good at breaking glass too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what she wished for, and she doesn't say, just gives him a knowing but, look. Yeah, and you can see it all over her face, but of course, George, being George, can't. <laughs> <laughs> so great uh the scene just works on so many levels yeah and again this is perfect even the the neighbor there watching (laughs) being incredibly frustrated that george isn't picking up on the cues i know (laughs) he's like get with it kid (laughs) youth is wasted on the young (laughs) he says yeah yeah and the moonlight and the flowers in the background here that this whole thing is just shot perfectly and uh, yeah, and again, it's uh, you know I, I, we keep I, I keep jumping ahead, but that's uh, okay. <laughs> it, this is yeah. Here he is, <laughs> which is a very awkward thing to ask anybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, he uh, youth is uh, wasted or youth is wasted on the wrong people. <laughs> <laughs> You kind of, I mean, we never see that, saw that guy before. We never see him again, but you just have to love him. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks so, so perfectly. And uh, um, <laughs> I love his face when he sees the robe and he's like. <laughs> <laughs> like, she, like she vanished and yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. And they set us up for that before by showing him stepping on her train uh, once before. Right. Or her sash. And um uh, so now she's hiding in the hydrangeas, and this is just so cute. I mean, <laughs> in a way, he's kind of being a stinker because he really should give it back to her. But right, <laughs> but <he's> just, <laughs> and, and uh, at least she's covered up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and this is again his his sense of humor, his timing, his delivery, perfect, hilarious. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't really happen to guys like me, at least not in Bedford Falls. <laughs> and when when uh... <laughs> he's just he's just so like 
Yeah. He's just so logical about it. And the, the police are downtown and they'd be on my side. So. Yeah. <laughs> They're all the way downtown. Oh, beautiful. And you, oh, the bush is just shaking <laughs> in frustration. Great. But again, then reality comes in. I know. And it's and so it just, not fair. I know. It just ruins the moment. I know, and it, but it's so lifelike. I mean, and, and George's life especially. It's like every time he starts to have some fun with life, life just hits him in the jaw. And we will never know what he was going to tell her or ask her to do to get the robe back. And that's <laughs> such a shame. Yeah. <laughs> so, alas, we've lost uh, George's father. And, and it feels, uh, as he said, we only saw him twice. Um, but mm -hmm. it, it's, it feels like a really... Heavy loss. Yeah, um, sort of. Because, yeah. yeah, he's sort of a a, a Pa Kent to George's Superman. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's in a that. Very good... Yeah, Superman is a symbol of all that is good with mankind, because Pa Kent kind of taught him value, uh, the mm -hmm. good values, and we have Mister. Uh, I, I it just fell out of my head, uh, Mister Potter. Mm -hmm trying to take over the savings and loan so he could take over the town. Mm -hmm. And here's the interesting thing. George doesn't want to be here. He wants to leave. He spent his entire life trying to leave Bedford Falls, and he keeps mm -hmm. getting pulled back, yet mm -hmm. he doesn't let it ruin him because he keeps doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. He doesn't become embittered. He, doesn't, he could at any moment sell you know, his shares to, uh, to Mr. Potter, mm -hmm. but he doesn't because he wants to keep it. He keeps the building and loan open because he wants to continue his father's dream, his father's mm -hmm. legacy. And yeah. he just won't. Yeah. It, it's so interesting. Um, again, we're talking about small scale things. It's like, it, it's like you, you are made to feel that it matters so much that this tyrant can't quite get his hands on all of this little town. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's like, I mean, it's like the human situation in miniature. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that the tyrants will always be there. Uh, the, the selfish and the greedy and the controlling and the powerful will always be there. But it matters that somebody says, no, you can't have it all. No, I, I'm going to. I'm going to uh, be faithful to my own job of keeping you from having it all. And <laughs> yeah. it, it just matters so much. Yeah. And there's this notion that Peter Bailey, George's father, would give loans to people who maybe couldn't afford them or mm -hmm. at least making them, giving them really good deals at a loss to himself. Yeah. You know, he just being able to loan money and then you know, for really, really uh, cheap uh, and then not making a lot of money himself, which means that he doesn't ever become successful, but a lot of people get homes. A yeah. lot of people get and, to and, own and, homes. And the sacrifice, they make it clear that the sacrifice is very, very real. Like George says, um, you know, he never was able to afford to send Harry and me to college, and that affects them. It affects it especially affects George because Harry will get there eventually. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so the sacrifice is very real, and yet it was a worthwhile sacrifice. And um, 
uh, all these two playing off each other is just so delightful. I mean, Jimmy Stewart is doing earnest and sincere and passionate as only he can. Mm -hmm. And Barrymore is just sitting there being a complete ham in his own way. (laughs) He's he's yawning and and acting all complacent and stuff and, and being spiteful. And, oh, gosh, just acting showcase here. Yeah. And as much as, I don't know what this teaches us, but (laughs) Mr. (laughs) Potter wants to become rich right now. Mm -hmm. George Bailey doesn't want, you know, he doesn't ever become successful. Peter Bailey wasn't successful, but they lived on very modestly, but the town thrives as a result. Yeah. You know, interesting. Everyone else gets to have this great life and, you know, George's life is never terrible. He just struggles but mm-hmm. the town thrives because of it. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's this really interesting thing. Do we want success right now or do we want, you know, success for a long period of time, a little bit of success for a long time? And yeah. I never understood this for uh, Uncle uh, George's uncle here who has a crow. <laughs> he does have a crow. And this this was some this was not a first. I believe this crow showed up in other Capra movies, which is uh just I love it. I mean <laughs> Capra had uh what you might call a repertory uh company of actors who kept showing up in his movies. Well sure. Jimmy Stewart made three of them. Uh Thomas Mitchell, uh Lionel Barrymore, all of them um kept showing up in Capra movies and the crow as well. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, and Capra, Capra had a wonderful way of um, creating character characterizations out of small things. Um, Uncle Billy having that crow and loving animals in general. That's one, that's one example. Mm-hmm. Um, and like people, people have little things around them that sort of tell you who they are. My real quick, my favorite example of this is in Mr. Smith goes to Washington where, um, Jane Arthur's character Saunders is this very hard nosed, cynical secretary. Mm-hmm. And at one point she's, she's going to quit her job and she's packing up her things and she takes a doll out of her desk drawer. I love that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the doll, and all of a sudden you get this whole new um, angle on her, this whole new vision of her. And it's just like this one little item that came out of a desk drawer. Uh, Capra is a genius at that. Yeah. Sort of. It says so much of the, these little things. Wow, that's really that's really a great observation. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, George, uh, his brother's coming back from the war, so he's excited to see his brother coming back. Not just because he loves his brother, but also because it means he can finally take over the savings and loan, mm-hmm. and he can, and now George can leave, can pursue his dream. Right. And yeah, and it kind of breaks his heart. And again, a, a great yeah. shot that's about to come up. But uh, yeah, he meets, uh, you know, his his brother's new wife. He's very happy for him. A lot of good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that things things are just about to take that little George Bailey shaped twist again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, uh, he essentially... His brother took a job that his uh, his new wife's dad got gave to him. But and... he's again, the choice is going to be left up to George because Harry's like, "Oh, I won't do it if you don't want me to. I wouldn't leave you in the lurch." And so here, the choice choices on George's shoulders again. And mm-hmm. already, I mean, you could see in his face he knows what he has to do, 
and he's hating it. Yeah. <laughs> Your but, heart just goes out to him. Again, great uh, shot here. His face goes from incredibly distraught to happy, you know, has to mm-hmm. put on that happy face. And they're sharing popcorn. Oh, God, I wish there were popcorn stands more. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, we just lost this actress. Uh, I had to look up her name again. Virginia Patton. She just died, I think, a few weeks ago. I oh, saw wow. she had passed away. She was one of the last actors alive from the film, of course. And she, um, in, the, in her obituaries, they said... Um, this scene kind of upset her because she had to eat popcorn with gloves on and she was worried about messing her gloves up. <laughs> so, um, that's a little tribute to, to her. May she rest in peace. And yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think some of the child actors are still left, but uh, a lot of the actors are gone, but understandably gone. Now this was the forties. Oh, sure. um, almost all of them are gone, but, but um, yeah, I don't know how old she was, but uh but we just recently lost her. So here is this cute scene with uh, George and Uncle Billy. I love this. <laughs> the middle one is yours. <laughs> <laughs> and Thomas Mitchell plays a marvelous uh, drunk. It wasn't his first time playing a drunk. And he, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he played it more often than not, I think. I don't know um, uh, if he was just getting typecast a little bit by this time, but yeah, it happened a lot. And the story goes, I don't, I've never quite found out if it's true, but the story goes that that was a real crashing sound. Somebody dropped something off set. And <laughs> kept, it was just so perfect. <laughs> I hope it's true because it's such a great story. That is great. Oh, that's wonderful. So here's George with his, his, uh, Decision yeah. again that he has to make listening to the train. That's so sad. God, the most handsome, sad person on yeah, the planet. <laughs> yeah, all his uh oh man. But again, he and shows you the goodness of his heart. He won't let other people see it. Mm-hmm. He'll be sad on his own, but he won't let anybody else know that he's sad because he wants them to be happy. But of course, his mother sees it because, um, yeah, you know, she's his mother and she knows him, and and she she has uh, she has an idea for a solution for George. <laughs> <laughs> what is and, it? Mary's back from school. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, she thinks. She thinks Mary is the key here to to George's uh, <laughs> to helping George feel better. Yeah, and so she's back from school, so she tells him to go and you know go see her. And he's like, "Why? What's the point? Uh, I don't." And she really want to see like yeah, this whole <laughs> he again not seeing what everybody else sees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we haven't. I mean. We have seen him be attracted to Mary, but it's not something he ever like talks about. But <laughs> it's like, I think the entire state of wherever, whatever state they're in, I think the entire state knows. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but it's the thing. He, he wants to like her, I'm sure, but he knows that that means staying in Bedford Falls. Right. That's right. She is tied to the town and he has to sort of deal with that. And um, coming, so so this that's why the ending of this scene is perfect. Coming up here, um, 
it's all cute and sweet. And his mother has pushed him off in the right direction to go see Mary. And then he's just going to exit in the opposite direction. <laughs> I'm like, okay, what now? Yeah. <laughs> and he's not going to go straight there. And that just sort of follows what you said. He, he knows that, um, he knows what it means to, to be with Mary. And it, yeah. uh, it's going to, it's going to be one more thing that ties him down. Yeah. And he, this is kind of like a great moment, the scene, that doesn't say much. It doesn't say anything, but he's walking around town looking at the town he doesn't like. Mm-hmm. He's kind of resentfully staring at the at the at the place he can't leave. Mm-hmm. And they don't mention that. He doesn't say that, but it's all there. You can yeah, absolutely see it in his in his face. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. And uh this little George's idea of what to do on a date. <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of fun. It, it's very George, you know. Um, yeah. It, it's wholesome. It's sweet, but it's adventurous at the same time. It's kind of quirky. And honestly, I don't blame Violet for not wanting to climb a mountain. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's in. But uh, it's still, the whole thing is really kind of cute. Yeah. <clears throat> And of course, poor George ends up getting laughed at. <laughs> and of course, you know, all roads lead back to Mary. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's just, but he can't quite get himself all the way in. He's just sort of parading around outside the fence. <laughs> but Mary, of course, uh, is very aware that he's there. <laughs> and interestingly enough, Mary's mother doesn't want Mary to end up with George either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the dynamics of it all are, are really cute and very small town. And, um, and my, my parents uh, grew up in small town Pennsylvania, um, as did Jimmy Stewart, by the way. He also grew up in small town Pennsylvania, though oh. different small town. And um, yeah, a lot of their stories are just like really fun and uh like everybody knew what everybody was doing. Everybody knew who was into who. Um, <laughs> mothers, mothers were like pulling strings before or against. <laughs> so you know, it 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 just rings really true. Um, now my 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 parents really wanted out of their town, and they happened to get out of their town. So <laughs> so the similarities end there. But um, yeah, the the there's just a lot that that uh, is very authentically small town here. I don't know where Capra grew up. I, I mean, it, he would have grown up in an Italian immigrant community, uh, but I don't, I don't recall whether it was small town or big city or what, but um, he, he does, he really does have a feel for these things. Yeah. And she's of course setting the stage for him. Yeah. I like Mary's approach. She's not direct in the way that Violet is direct. <laughs> but she is direct in her own way. And, um, and I, I like it. She, she's, uh, as you say, she's setting the stage. She's, she's, um, very clear on what she wants. She's going to try to make it happen. Yeah. Reminding him of that beautiful night that they shared. Mm-hmm. And she made a whole drawing of it and the drawing's really cute. <laughs> It's like another one of those little Capra-esque items that tells you a lot about a person. Just this one simple little um, prop or whatever. He's being a bit of a jerk. I mean. Mm, He is. (laughs) Yeah, she's telling him that, you know, that she was homesick. And he's like, for Bedford Falls? Because, again, (laughs) he loves the town, too. But at this moment, he's really 
you know, in a bad place. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of taking it out on her. Yeah, at, at this point, he's pretty much being willfully obtuse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he could he could be not obtuse if he wanted to, <laughs> but but he's just, um, as he said, he's in a bad place. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, her song's not working, and um, yeah. Atmosphere's not working and nothing's working and, and she's getting frustrated. Yeah. Not not going the way she wanted it to. And of course she hits him right on the sore spot without knowing it when she brings up his brother's marriage. Yeah. <clears throat> and again, of course she knows about the marriage because the whole town knows because it's a small town. <laughs> and, uh, and here's uh mother trying yeah. to interfere. I gotta say, this is kind of a shocking moment for me because I didn't know that they could say this <laughs> in uh, in yeah. these in these old uh, old movies. Well, um... <laughs> he's making violent love to me, mother. <laughs> That's a great line. The way he looks at her after. Um, so, making love had a little bit different connotation in 1947. Um, oh, really? It, okay, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. That's how she was able to get away with it. Um, it it didn't mean sex. It just meant everything else that you do. Okay. <laughs> it, okay. <laughs> it's romantic or making out. So, um, so that's how she was able to say it. But yeah, it does it does make you jump a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> She smashed. And I'm the always record. like, oh, don't oh. break the record. <laughs> I hate to see it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and of course, the the man that uh, Mary's mother wants her to end up with is on the phone. The rich man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Again, another man who left town, who was able to get out. Mm-hmm. Everybody's kind of mocking George. <laughs> like, I know. It's like the whole universe. <laughs> got together to mock george yeah (laughs) and again it's one of these little lines that doesn't mean much but i love is uh when sam says that he's going to open up a factory and uh he's wants to buy one and george says well what about the the one in here in town i'll sell it Mm -hmm. to you for a song Mm -hmm. i love that line it's such a great little I don't know, a little turn of phrase, a little, uh, what would you call that? A great expression. Yeah, an expression. Yeah. Um, And I I love this bit coming up here where where Mary is just so matter-of-fact about mothers on the extension. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Well, she knows because, of course, mother is always on the extension when anything big is going down. (laughs) This is a great little bit of uh, characterization. And... um, and uh, here things are getting very steamy, and it's just so mm. wonderful what you could do with this just two people in the telephone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, and I would say one of the best kisses in movie history. Mm-hmm. And plastics. Uh, I think uh, maybe <laughs> in The Graduate, you know, you the, know, the future is plastics, and I guess it started here. <laughs> it's so interesting you say that because I never picked up on that before until my viewing last night to get ready for this. I was like, oh, plastics, that's very The Graduate. Yeah. <laughs> I never caught that before. <laughs> but yeah, it's like a foreshadowing. And I almost wonder if they had that moment in mind uh, when they made The Graduate. Yeah. Um, uh, 
if if that had stuck in somebody's head and it came out there. But but uh, yeah, because in that movie, I, when was it made? Sixty seven or or sixty something? Sixty eight, maybe. So somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And by that time, you know, the idea of that you'd work in plastics that that's like you know the counterculture is is um, is going well. You know how how stuffy, how stupid. You know what a stupid thing to do. Artificial, yeah. <laughs> Whereas George is like very consciously um, rejecting it as, you know, something he's just not going to do. He never, never even really gives it a thought. And uh, here we go. (laughs) 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 Drops the phone. He grabs her, yells at her. I don't want any plastics. I don't want any ground floors. I don't want to get married. Oh. And then. (laughs) (laughs) Like where where he's concerned, he's always saying the opposite of how he's feeling. Yeah, because um, because <laughs> he like, he doesn't believe it. He's trying to convince himself almost at that moment. And yeah, poor yeah, Sam is then, on the phone <laughs> on the floor. Hello, okay. <laughs> hello, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> so and uh, it goes right to marriage. And I mean, here you see Mr. Gower, you see Violet, you see like all these people. So it's. It's uh, great that he makes sure to get them all in there. There's Annie, and of course, there's the two mothers. Yeah, and um, it's raining. Yeah, <laughs> it's pouring rain. Uh, and but but th- that great moment, of course, uh, you know, Sam is looking to buy a, a building for a factory, and mm-hmm. you know, George is of course still helping the town. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, right. I'll bring jobs here. Bedford Falls could really use jobs. Mm-hmm. And he sells it for to him for cheap, and it helps the again. It helps the town. Yeah, yeah. It, it um, yeah. That, that's a that's an excellent point. It um, it, it's just like second nature to him by this point. Yeah. And so, um, so again, another chance to leave town. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's just uh, it's just like fate. Yeah. And um, the the way the the scene we're going to see coming up um, again, uh, Capra brilliantly handling a, a crowd scene, and um, and handling the role of individuals within the crowd is something that he does so well. And maybe that's why he does crowd scenes well because he never forgets that a crowd is made up of individual human beings. Yeah, and um, and we're going to see that. I, I think I have several places where I mark that in my notes. We're going to see that over and over and <clears throat> over again. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so so we have. Um, is this a, yeah? Is this the crash? The stock market yeah, crash. Um, it, it's interesting that we don't really hear. I, I, this is what. No, this would have to be okay. So they graduated from, or Mary, Marion yeah. graduated in twenty eight. This is four years later. This would have to be thirty two. Mm-hmm. So this is an e crash. Um, we we never don't. I don't think we ever hear much about the crash on the national scale. But okay. this is Bedford Falls having its own little uh, crash within the depression, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so and, yeah, he has to open up the savings and loan because. Everybody wants to pull out their money from the bank because, you know, they the the bank is about to crash and they don't mm-hmm. want to lose their money. 
Right. Uncle Bill, he's a good. That's how he's handling it. With his crow in his bottle. Yeah. Yeah, it's like one of. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, well, I was just saying it's like one of those when you're a kid and you just take a nap and hope by the time you wake up everything's good, everything's okay. Yeah. He's just going to lock his door and drink I, this I, bottle and hopefully everything will work itself out. I, I admit I have had problems in, in my life that I've handled like that. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily with the crow in the bottle, but just like curling up and hoping it will go away. Yeah. <laughs> Too many times I've done that. <laughs> Never works, but I keep doing it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, um, so they're, they're, um, uh, here comes Potter again, trying to take advantage of, uh, the moment. Yeah. Again, actually, I think, yeah, he's, he's trying to, you know, again, in trying to (laughs) pretend to be polite to Mm -hmm. loan the, you know, the savings and loan money. Because now they have to pay all those, you know, all those all those loans back, mm-hmm. and everyone's going to take out the money, and they don't have it, and so you know, Mister Potter is at you know offering to give him the money, but then he'll take over the savings and loan mm-hmm. and close it down. Yeah, that's what he's been trying to do this whole time, and now it's another opportunity for him to do it. And and he tries to do it like every which way he can. He's he's tries he tries so many strategies, mm-hmm. um, and so many approaches. <clears throat> he is um, endlessly resourceful in his greed. And um, there there is uh, George's father's picture in a prominent place, yeah. and uh, uh, sort of sticking in his mind and reminding him of things. And that uh, that's. Uh, the little quote, all that you can take with you is all that you've given away. Mm-hmm. And all these people are waiting to get their money back. And, of course, he's saying, we don't have your money because when you loan us money, we loan it to other people. That's how this works. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, and the sirens are making it even scarier. And, gosh, you think about it, every time poor George's ambitions get narrower. First, he was going to go to college and see the world. Then he gave up college and he was just going to see the world. Now he's just trying to go on a honeymoon. Yeah. <laughs> like every, time he, every time he tries to do one little thing, it's like fate smacks him in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, now he has to to handle this crowd. And um, Mary comes in and, and Mary here, I mean, we've already seen her influence and how, just how strong it is. Um, but in a quiet way, but, but um here, the bit, the grand idea is going to be hers, and the <clears throat> the inspiration to make this particular sacrifice is going to be hers. Mm-hmm. And so you see just how important she is. She she sort of gives the the impetus to the whole thing. <clears throat> yeah, and so he's saying that uh, you know if you sign this bill, you can get it in sixty days. You're trying to buy some time, but Mister Potter is offering to. So I, I I don't know economics very well, but selling it to them for sixty cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're so so they're saying saying let's take a little bit now, which as you said mm-hmm. was sort of um, sort of uh, indicative of Potter's approach to things. Um, you know, instant not not gratification exactly, but like instant return. Yeah, instant 
let's take something now rather than uh, waiting it out. Because <clears throat> he can get all their money right now from the mm-hmm. building and loan, or he can give it them 60 cents on uh, on the dollar, which they get less money. And like you said, you know, they get it now, though. And mm-hmm. and he's kind of telling them. And I, 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 all of this reminds me of The Simpsons because they they reference this a lot in The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. You know, but he's telling them, like, look, you, the reason you all have a life here is because everybody else gave you that that opportunity with this building and loan. Yeah, we have to depend on each other to, to get through this. Um, yeah. And so some people are very greedy and they're like, no, we want all our money now. And then he talks a few people into only taking a little bit now. Yeah, and, and Mary... Um, Offers up the the honeymoon money, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and so like you said, this first guy wants it all now, but but the others are willing to to take a little bit and um, mm-hmm. and, and wait for things to to settle down. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So um, coming up here in a minute, Ellen Corby. Uh, uh, great character actress. Um, she reportedly ad-libbed her line. Um, hmm. Again, her story I'm not quite sure is true, but but um, here she is right here. And she says, <laughs> so, and I have 1750. And so uh, Jimmy Stewart just reacted when she said that uh, because <laughs> the way she said it was so timid and sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, she had another another great actress who had a little moment here and um, made it count. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, the whole idea is if they have no money left by the end of the day, then the building and loan has to shut down, but they have $1 left. Or two. $2. two. Oh, yeah, yes. it's $2 it looks like. <laughs> and, but, uh, but the principle is the same. Yeah, they have just enough to be going on with. <laughs> And so they're parading around celebrating that they could stay open. <laughs> and they put those $2 in the safe. <laughs> and he just now remembers that he has a wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always been a little... Maybe you picked up on something I missed, but I've always been a bit confused. Like, where did... Mary get the money to do what we're about to see that she did. Um, I thought she gave them all the money. Well, that that was the money from the um, from the honeymoon, but she bought the house because it was so cheap. She was able to just like everyone else in town get a loan for mm-hmm. for their home. She got a loan for this house. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess so. I guess that must have been it. Yeah, but uh, it's so, again, we're circling back to an earlier moment that was important in the movie, and um, it's just it's just mm-hmm. so cute. Yeah. <laughs> it's it... so sweet. She went back and she got this particular house, and of <laughs> course, boy, is it a fixer-upper, but that's probably why um, she was able to get it, and it's the house she had her heart set on anyway. Yeah, and it was so, kind of like a wedding present to him. Yeah. So sometimes fate cooperates. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes your fate is kind. <laughs> uh, and again, this is like it's raining outside, so they're covering all the windows. And to make him feel better, 
they're covering up windows with posters of other countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the places <laughs> he's wanted to see. And uh, they've got it fixed up so cute. With a, and he's got his little top hat on and everything. And um, this little moment coming here, I love the way this is shot. Um, when the water drips off George's hat. Yeah, and he's, oh, that's so well done. I know, just these little things. Uh, the the details are just so beautifully done. And uh, the, the chicken on the spit with the record player. Uh, it's, yeah, it's on a rotisserie, but it's being turned by a record. I know. Beautiful. I know. Mary, Mary is just like endlessly resourceful. And um, there's a shot of the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, just... Everything is just right. Yeah, everything referenced, you know, but never yeah. all implied, but never said. And exactly. something I just noticed, it just occurred to me, and this will go back into a history of our friendship. The first podcast we did for this podcast, the first episode we did for this podcast was Old Fashioned, the Christian movie. Uh-huh. And at the very end, the entire town helps the guy romance the girl oh my goodness and so here we have essentially the same thing oh my gosh i that had not struck me wow talk about full circle (laughs) yeah and i think maybe yeah it just occurred to me maybe that's what they were referencing yeah now that you mention it i wouldn't be at all surprised um (laughs) but i mean Again, this movie is so universally known. As you were saying, there are like parodies everywhere. Um, and we were just talking about how The Graduate might have been influenced by it. And yeah, <laughs> that, that might have been influenced by it too. It's just, um, it's everywhere. It's like uh, Casablanca, another movie that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like the foundation of of like so many. It's like the movie that launched a thousand imitators. Yeah. <laughs> And listeners, if you go back and listen to that episode, that was, I think, our second episode. I think it's the first one I recorded, but it's the second episode, and it's a fan favorite because it's such it's it's it it brings up so much discussion about dating and courtship, and yeah, it it was quite a good episode. If I do old fashioned, you mean? Yeah, yeah. The movie's yeah. terrible, but. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, that it uh, it was it was very discussable. I'm glad that uh, people are into it. Now I like this part because this is where my family would have fit into this movie. Uh, hmm. The Italian immigrants, um, the, the Italians with the great big families. I mean, my my maternal <laughs> grandmother was one of eleven children, and uh, my my um, I'm sorry, my paternal grandmother and my my maternal grandfather was one of nine children so um yeah italian immigrants in a small town with huge families this is me <laughs> this is <not laughs> where i come from and um and <laughs> they're, they're even loading married, a goat into the car interacting with them and their goat <laughs> and their babies and everything and uh taking them to their new house and um yeah, it's just, it's just, I mean, we've heard so much about what George is giving up, what George is sacrificing, what he's doing. And this is sort this is where we get to see what that looks like on the ground in, mm-hmm. in real terms. Mm-hmm. Um, 
all these little kids uh, running into their new house or running to their new house and um, and having this little uh, ceremony for them. It's just very sweet. Yeah. And look what they have. They're giving them bread for mm-hmm. this house may never know hunger. Salt so that they will always have flavor. Life will always have flavor. And wine to enjoy the prosperity that may reign forever. And this says so much because mm-hmm. it's specifically an Italian family mm-hmm. and specifically an, an, an immigrant family, which a lot of people did not like at the time. It's speaking to that, to the mm-hmm. racism, to the bigotry of immigrants, uh, of people who are not like us. Mm-hmm. And this movie, Frank Capra, is specifically pointing out these are the people that make up our country. Right. Right. And um, this is um, Mr. Potter and his guys discussing how they don't like this at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and uh, a little bit later, um, uh, Mr. Potter, why, why can't we think of his name? My gosh, it's weird. It's like he has <laughs> a, an evil spell on us. A little later, you're going to hear Mr. Potter say garlic eaters, which, you know, yeah. Yeah. would have no doubt had that hurled at him. Uh, growing up, um, and that that you know is very much the stereotype. And incidentally, garlic is awesome. And yes. anybody who would try to turn it into an insult just doesn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so, um, that, that's one thing that has changed for the better is that people appreciate ethnic food much more than they used to. But you know, back then, um, in a very sort of in a society that was like you know trying to be what's the word homogenous. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, assimilated and all, all those things, um, as you say, there's Capra celebrating differences. Yeah. <laughs> and so here we have a whole community, a whole little suburban neighborhood built because of what the Baileys have done. Mm-hmm. And everybody, like, I mean, I, you know, I just bought a house and it was such an incredible, like such a fulfilling moment in my life and I'll never forget it. This is what my parents came to this country for so that I could Mm -hmm. one day own a house. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes. So so it's no wonder, um, no, it's no wonder they made that like one of the central themes of this movie or, or the sort of, the sort of, um, idea that the plot revolves around so much because, um, it's such a fundamental, almost visceral sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and Peter Bailey talked about it, and and it, it just carries all the way through that this is this is something so important to people. And now here we see Mr. Potter trying another approach, uh, the ingratiating approach, and he's like, okay, I can't, I can't, like, I can't beat him down. I can't, um, <laughs> you know, sort of finagle things away from him. I can't. Um, the, the whole run on the bank thing didn't work. Now I'm going to try. If you can't beat him, join him. I'm going to try to win him over to my side. Yeah. And this is this is just fascinating. This whole thing. Um, he. This is where you see Mr. Potter. You see how how cunning and how canny he actually is. You see, he sort of susses out a person's weak spots, mm-hmm. their desires. Um, he knows what George has always wanted more than anything. And he's just going to offer it to him. You want trips to Europe? You'll get trips to Europe. You want to raise a family comfortably? You'll raise a family comfortably. You'll give your wife what she wants. And uh, he he can uh, he can uh, 
dig through to find your desires and your weaknesses, and he can play on them. And mm-hmm. uh, sort of reminds me of somebody. <laughs> <laughs> of uh, politics around this country for like the past six years, because uh, yeah, we saw a lot of that going on. Yeah. But again, it, it, it reminds us it, right now when, uh, you know, when he finally, he was so happy to move that family into their new home. And mm-hmm. then, you know, his friend, Sam, who is married also has this huge successful life because of the factory that, because of the building that uh, George was able to sell him. And mm-hmm. so he's going to pursue his dreams, and George is now stuck. Again. Yeah, that, that little George and Mary walking back to their car um, was just such a telling little moment. Just a yeah. perfectly quiet, telling little moment. Um, it sort of said everything as as after they watched uh, Sam and his wife ride off in their fancy car. Mm-hmm. And again, oh. he's incredibly because it, it reminds us we are doing good things for people but it 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 may cost us it, it costs us yeah i just noticed mr potter has a skull on his desk what an absolutely oh. wonderful <laughs> little touch <laughs> it can't be a memento mori because uh mr potter isn't like that he doesn't want to be reminded that he will die but somehow he has a skull on his desk and that's just kind of amazing yeah <laughs> So, okay, so here comes the offer. And again, it's just a huge temptation. Yeah. <laughs> George just dropped the cigar in his lap. <laughs> <laughs> but he's going to offer him everything he ever wanted. And, um, uh, and all it's going to cost him is giving up the building and loan. And, and, um, and you see Mr. Potter get irritated when, yeah. uh, when he, he brings that up and and um because he's just like if you could just get that little building and loan um (laughs) if you could just sweep that aside which is ironic because of course it's it's not a little thing to mr potter it looms large on his horizon that's the whole reason why he's making this offer to get rid of it Mm -hmm. but with george he's spending it's just this little obstacle you just have to clear out of your path (laughs) Uh, and, and this whole thing with the chair is absolutely wonderful. The way he keeps and, and to make Jimmy Stewart short, you practically have to put him on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> but they do it and uh, <laughs> it, it makes him look small, which he has never done. And um, it, it's just uh, the whole psychology of that arrangement is just brilliant. Man, and again, it, George is considering it because especially what he just went through. He just mm-hmm. gave somebody their dream at the expense of his own. Yeah. And he's tr- he's trying hard to say, you know, to think this is okay, this is okay. And then the handshake. The handshake, is, uh, look at his face. I mean, what a great moment. It just, it just hit him. Yeah. <laughs> when he took his hand. And I mean, his hand must have been like clammier and cold or something, but... <laughs> It was just one of those little moments of that of like physical reality that shocks you back to where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, it's it's a great thing. It's gosh, I don't mean to go too far out on a limb here and and get all like and get all weird, but it just it just hit me that maybe um, that's like something from Capra's Catholic outbring, upbringing coming out that like you have to touch something physical. In order mm. to like be put in touch with reality, I don't know. No, yeah, I, that's I a really if... good observation, though. It never occurred to me before. I, I wonder if there's something in that. Um, 
But what, whatever, whatever it was in that handshake, it worked because George just rejected Potter and, and uh, is back to being George. Yeah. Thank goodness. <laughs> and and uh, held on to his integrity. And it was a great, great temptation. It was very difficult. And I, a thing that you mentioned before about how this is comparable to, um, to a Christmas Carol, how Mr. Potter... I don't know why, but I always imagined maybe he was a George Bailey when he was younger. Oh, I like that idea. And that I don't remember if like I, 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 he mentioned it, like I was a lot like you or if he, but I don't, I, I never seen it. I thought he said it and then I gone back and rewatched it and he, I don't think he actually says it, but I wonder if like something happened that made him bitter and angry and especially he ended up in a wheelchair Mm, yeah. And so he has a lot to be bitter about, and he let that bitterness take him over, where now George has had several moments just like that, where he could have gone in either direction. Yeah, it's almost terrifying when you think about, you know, those moments that come up in your life where you could go either way, and what a huge difference it can make for good or bad. It's, mm-hmm. it's almost paralyzing when you think about it. Yeah. Um, to, to think of of uh, just how momentous one simple decision can be and, and how huge the consequences can be. Which is, uh, yeah, the story of Ebenezer Scrooge. He was a mm-hmm. good person. He had good in his life, and he just decided to go, you know, at the sliding doors moment, decided to take one road instead of the other. Mm-hmm. And it just yeah. meant everything. It, it changed everything for him. Yeah, he he decided that money mattered more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the decision that George almost made. And on the face of it, Potter's offer kind of looked morally neutral, um, all things considered, except, of course, the building and loan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah, it was it was about it was that fundamental decision about deciding how much money mattered and whether it mattered more than anything mm-hmm. or not. And so. It's just, uh, it, it's just, there's just so much in this, um, of, of Capra proposing like a system of alternate values then, I mean, money is, money always turns out to be so important in all of our lives. We all have to have it to live. Yeah. And yet Capra is urging us to remember that it's not the most important thing. Yeah. So here, here we come, we get to the war. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we were, we were destined to. And George cannot go to war because George has a bad ear. And it's so interesting um, because, uh, as I said, Jimmy Stewart had famously been in the war mm-hmm. um, as a pilot. Uh, and while they were making this film, was still trying to make his way through a bad case of PTSD. And um, so, I mean, the war had... The, the war's shadow was just on everything right now. The war had a huge influence on his own life, but here he's playing somebody who couldn't go to war. And it's just like, this is, it's like, okay, so the fate of George, because George never gets to go anywhere, he doesn't even get to go to war. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, in some ways, you know, that's kind of a great thing because you don't have to go and suffer. And and Stuart and Capra both would have known just how much suffering was involved. Yeah. But, if you didn't go to war, you also didn't get the chance um, for glory, so to speak. Um, that I don't really like the word, but sure. you, you don't get the chance to distinguish yourself. Let, let's say you don't get the chance to to 
to do big things on a grand scale because as we're going to see Harry Bailey uh, gets rewarded and decorated for having saved a bunch of lives which yeah. is something you might get to do if you go to war and it's a very flashy sort of uh, doing good um, and it's widely acknowledged and the president's going to give you a medal and all these things and so um, so George misses out on great suffering but he also misses out on that so yeah. uh it's just very interesting that they went that route. Which is really, really interesting. Something that just occurred to me. Again, I love doing this podcast because I get to remember, uh, realize all these things. Uh, Mr. Potter made tons of money off the war. Yes. And yes. George stayed home and he didn't, you know, didn't get the glory like you were talking about. <clears throat> but then it showed all these people sacrificing Mm -hmm. You know, the, the people in town who get to go to war to save, mm -hmm. to fight off the Nazis, people giving, mm -hmm. doing tower, uh, tire drives and, you know, conserving gasoline. All these people are sacrificing just like George mm -hmm. for everyone else, for others. Yeah. yeah that's you know? a very good point. Yeah. And I love, I mean, I won't, I won't get too far into it now. I, I don't want to like spoil everything, but I do love the payoff that we get later on um involving this whole war thing and uh and harry bailey but i, I won't get into that now I'll, sure I'll yeah that for later <laughs> but yeah it, it's just to say that um, um the 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 way the war is handled here is just interesting in in all sorts of ways yeah even, even though it takes up uh relatively little screen time um it's it's still really important. Mm -hmm. And of course, George is very, very proud of Harry and, and excited for him. And you don't really see resentment and envy or, or anything like that there. Yeah. Uh, it seems like he really is sincerely happy that Harry did this great thing, um, saved lives and is getting rewarded for it. And uh, it, it just reminded me of that. Uh, he was a... Uh... They were talking about the blackouts, mm -hmm. and George actually was in charge of making sure that the entire neighborhood kept their curtains drawn mm -hmm. to block out any light. Uh, and I forget what they were called the the air raid man. Uh, oh boy, I'm trying to remember. Uh, the air raid man, I think, is what they were called sometimes. Like that, yeah. Where yeah. he would make sure that everybody had their windows drawn because the Germans would fly over London and mm -hmm. drop bombs over London, and mm -hmm. they would drop bombs anytime anytime they would see light. Right. They would drop bombs on it because that meant that somebody is there, mm -hmm. and so the air raid, air raid wardens would walk around town and making sure that there were no lights escaping from anybody's window to prevent yeah. the bombings. And so that's what George did at home. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the Germans didn't make it that this far, but he made sure if they ever did, he would make sure that Bedford Falls was safe. Yeah, yeah. And again, this was something where the whole community had to contribute to keeping each other safe and themselves safe. Yeah. So I'm just emblematic. Um, and oh gosh, if your heart doesn't just break from here for Uncle oh, Billy, boy. yeah. Oh gosh, I I feel for him so much. Uh, to to lose this money, um, I mean, I break out in a cold sweat because I can see myself doing something. I know so silly and and so 
so awful. <laughs> I, <well>. <laughs> <laughs> All it takes is a moment of absent-mindedness. And it's just like you're screwed. And it, oh gosh, I, I just, ugh. yeah, well, <laughs> it's terrible. at work, uh, I was, you know, uh, my manager, because, you know, sometimes when you get your check, you can cash it out and mm-hmm. get all your entire check in cash. And mm-hmm. my manager came into our department and she's like, all like, you know, like practically hyperventilating, saying that she had dropped her money, you know, walking back into the break room and she didn't know where it was. And luckily she ran back and she found it, you know, mm-hmm. the envelope where her money, but that was her week's pay. And uh, she so... almost lost it. And I almost hyperventilated just imagining that. It's so scary. It's you know, this thing. And so, yeah. yeah so then, you know, that's exactly what happened here. This it's for somebody who's living on paycheck to paycheck, that matters a lot. Yes. And so, yes. yeah, for this saving. And again, George just doing what's right. He's giving, you know, I forget her name. Violet. Violet. She went to Hollywood to try to make it. It didn't work out. Was it Hollywood or New York? Uh, I think, I think the thing. It, apparently she's been involved in something here. We never get to know what it is, a scandal of some sort. And she's, she's wants to make tracks to New York and try to start over. Okay. Um, and uh, so George is, is willing to help her out with that and, and tells her, you know, and she, he gives her a character reference, I think, because she says, if I had any character and he's like, it takes a lot of character to move away and start over, um, which is exactly what he never got to do. But he, <laughs> he, he's very, um, you know, he's very kind and encouraging about that. And so here he's going to find out about the money. And, oh, my gosh, this is awful. I know. I, I just, it's like when I watch this movie, I almost just don't want to watch this this whole part. I because know. This is another part of the, the darkness of these movies. And, yeah. yeah. But, again, he and the whole thing about he keeps saying, this isn't, I'm not giving you money. This is a loan. Because mm-hmm. it's about dignity and you know, mm-hmm. people don't want to take things for free. And he said, don't worry about it. It's a loan. You pay it back when you can. Right. But he made sure to remind them. And again, not to say you owe me this money, but just mm-hmm. to, to save them that embarrassment of taking money for free. He said, don't yeah. worry about it. It's a loan. It's a loan. Let's call it a loan. And you pay me back when you can. And yeah. that's but, but, important I mean, to people. It, yeah. And now here he is with no safety net. To fall back on, and and uh, Mr. Potter has just had this fall into his lap, and he's yeah. like, "Okay, this is my strategy now. I'm just, I'm, I'm gonna like get them arrested, and that, Which... and, and you know, it, it's like almost on the level of Greek tragedy that after all they've been through, after George has successfully resisted so many temptations and so many like bludgeonings, um, they could lose it all through one." careless absent-minded moment from uncle billy and now of course the poor man can't remember squat he can't remember when he had it last Mm -hmm. and george is just losing it on him and oh i I just really rough scene yeah this is when this is when um uh jimmy stewart really starts to to tap into his dark side and you you hear you hear it said a lot that like the war really gave him <laughs> that, that these horrible experiences he had really gave him something to tap into mm. in his, his post-war movies. Look at the squirrel. I just love the squirrel. <laughs> well, and, <sorry> got <laughs> off track. But, <laughs> and uh, like, 
pre-war, you did occasionally see him play angry. Um, not not to get too spoilerish, but like he once played a homicidal maniac in one of the Thin Man movies, and he, he oh, did yeah. a very, <laughs> he did a, a great job. But um, yeah, you see him, you see him with like um, be able to go very even deeper now, and and in in the years after this. Uh, from here on, he would go to make a lot of westerns. He would go on to make several Hitchcock movies, and um, those directors, Hitchcock and Anthony Mann, and some of those other uh, John Ford, some of those other western directors, um, could could see qualities in him that uh, he could he could tap into and bring out. This, um, like he always had that sunny side to his nature, that sweetness, that amiability, and yet he also had this fully developed. Um, ability to like to get into to dig deep into the darkness into the anger into the frustration and bring that out too and and uh, mm -hmm. just just an incredibly well-rounded actor and like with Capra you tend to remember the sunny side because he was just it it seemed to come it seemed so organic in him and yet there was this whole range of emotions he could bring out too and uh, as we're going to see more of right now because um <laughs> You know, he, here he is with his in his little home with his sweet little family. And you can see how these relationships go deep. His children love him. They trust him. And yet he all this all these long buried frustrations in this catastrophe are about to go boiling over. And he, he just he's about to explode all over the place. And so yeah. he can do that so convincingly. It's just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, and he is, you know, nobody knows why he's upset. Yeah, and, and that just makes it all the more, uh, all the more disturbing in a way. Yeah, and uh, just yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's 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 really a dark moment because he, again, for all his good work, and ah, uh, if if it's if it isn't even worse, that money fell into the hands of the richest person in town. I know. It just makes it worse upon worse upon worse. But what's great about this is it, you know, we, we you know, this we talk about Christianity. It's easy to say love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Sacrifice and give, you know. It's easy mm -hmm. to say it. To actually do it and especially when it costs us so much that's a different story, which is why it becomes so difficult for so many Christians nowadays to talk about sacrifice and love and compassion, because that means loving people that we don't like, you know, mm -hmm. and here, this is, this shows the actual consequences of giving mm -hmm. and sacrificing. Yeah. And it's incredibly costly. It, it, and, um, uh, the, this, uh, this, Scene with the little girl, her her cold must have had the shortest incubation period in the world. But <laughs> <laughs> well, she walked out with her coat open, and now she has a cold. Okay, but anyway, yeah. um, it leads us to this incredibly tender little scene where, and uh, this this is just incredible the way he's just been blowing up. He's going, he's about to go down and blow up again. Yeah. Um, and and yet in between, he has this tender moment with this little girl. And, um, and he's so gentle. It's just like, he's just like whipsawing. 
all over the place. He's 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 uh, going back and forth between extremes, and and it's incredible. And this is kind of perfect because he's got like that uh, that three day shadow, mm-hmm. that beard's growing he, in, which makes him look even yeah. more sinister and depressed. It, it, yeah. His tie was a bit frayed just then. Um, you could you caught a glimpse of that when he was putting the pedals in his his watch pocket, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, everything is just slightly slightly unkempt and, and disheveled, and um, and here's the part where he yells at the teacher. That's the, <laughs> another uh, another very low moment in George's life. I mean, it's a terrible thing to do, uh, but he's just like he's yeah. just completely lost control at this point. Again, blaming the teacher because Zuzu came home with the with the jacket open. Which I mean, how does the teacher even control that? Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, he's just gone completely off the rails now. And yeah, oh man. And I I don't know just <laughs> just the notion of like being in a home with somebody this you know this insane. It's terrifying. It's It's terrifying. It's scary. It's like, um, it's like that whole community idea we were talking about on the smallest, most basic level. Um, you know, when, when one member of the community turns against the community, the consequences can be really bad. And here, here we have this little family that obviously is, is pretty happy most of the time. And, when the father loses it, I mean, this is just like, it feels like the end of everything to the kids, yeah. to Mary too. And, um, and like, they're, they're just all at sea. They don't know what to do. And, and here he has, this is so sad. He has this little corner he's set up where he can like work on his projects and like be an architect in his spare time and, and indulge in, in this little pastime of his own. And, and uh, he he just turns on that, and yeah. um, it's just it's it's just like so sad. Yeah. Um, I, I I was I was reading this uh, mystery novel uh, recently, rather a popular one. I I won't say which one it is because I don't want to spoil things. But okay. <laughs> I, I, was, I just remember this moment: this uh, serial killer um, uh, was an aspiring cellist, and. Um, like when he finally snaps and loses it and like starts like killing his own family and going crazy and everything he the, there was this line where he put his foot through his cello and you know it's weird but that hit me hard like as hard as the killing because it's just like if you destroy the thing that means the most to you yeah. and and for George that's twofold it's his family and his his little uh these little architectural dreams he's been nourishing if you turn against the things that are that are closest to your heart you're in a very bad way yeah and it's it's a really really bad sign so uh, um George is but but um I love Mary here I mean she immediately goes to the telephone. She's going to get to the bottom of this and she's going to start working to, to fix things. And she's telling the kids to pray. And, um, I mean, you know, she, she all, all cylinders going. She, she's, she's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And which is, you know, um, characteristic of her throughout the film. Yeah. And here we have the most, the hardest thing that George can do goes to, uh, to Mr. Potter to ask him for a loan, mm-hmm. you know, this man who he just, you know, insulted and be, you know, 
said he would never, you know, he would never join him. He would never, he just called him names. And now he has to come back with hat in hand to mm-hmm. ask him, which, you know, you could take this as uh, Mr. Potter being angry for the way he reacted, or you could take it, this is his true colors. You know, he would never be a good person unless it benefited him. He's holding, exactly. he's lording this over George's head and then mm-hmm. telling him, you're going to jail. I'm going to call the police. Like, mm-hmm. this is who he is, who Mr. Potter yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. There was also, there was something interesting I caught in my viewing last night um, that, that had never quite struck me before. See, this is why multiple viewings are so great. Um, <laughs> uh, when George says, um, I've lost the money and, and Mr. Potter says, you've lost the money. Because he knows that Uncle Billy lost the money. And yeah. George, oh, and, yeah. And, like, Mr. Potter doesn't really follow that train of thought because he doesn't care. But he notices, and we we see that George is, even at this awful moment, when George has just said, I'm not taking the fall for you, he just took the, <laughs> he just took the fall for Uncle Billy again. Mm-hmm. Or took the fall for somebody again. Um, he just uh, interposed himself between somebody and, and uh, a terrible fate again. It, even in his this very dark and low moment, he's doing it again. <laughs> mm. <laughs> as much as I, he's a villain, his expressive face that Mr. Potter has that. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. He's so good at being uh, this character. He is. And, and in, um, in a previous Capra movie, he had, um, you can't take it with you. He had played this lovable old grandfather and he also did that. Well, uh, I mean, he, the man could do anything. He, he was, he was great. And, uh, we, we owe Lionel Barrymore a debt of gratitude because, um, when they were making this movie and Jimmy Stewart was sort of ambivalent about going on with acting and saying, you know, does it really matter? It, I've, I've been in the war. I, I've like, I, I come back here, I'm trying to act again, and I, I can't feel like it's really important. It was Lionel Barrymore who talked him around uh, and said, you know, this is important. It, you know, you were dropping bombs in the war, and you had to do that. But, like, is is making films for people and making them happy, is that any less important? And uh, and he talked him around. So uh, we have Lionel Barrymore to, to thank for... Um, all of Jimmy Stewart's movies after this, so, <laughs> so uh, God bless him. And here's the little bit with the car again. <laughs> that car is just like that car and the knob on the stair staircase are the bane of his existence. Yeah, and I got it. I'm going to say this, and I hope I don't regret saying it. But <laughs> this moment when he's saying, when uh, Mr. Potter is saying to him, you know. I'm not going to give you that loan. Why don't you go back to that riffraff and have mm-hmm. them give you that loan? You know why mm-hmm. you won't? Because they'll run you out of town in a rail. Mm. Because that's how Mr. Potter sees the world. I mm-hmm. would run you out on a rail. So, of course, they would. Nobody's mm-hmm. good. You know, nobody's going to want to help you because mm, right. he wouldn't help them. Of course, they would. And of course, they do. But mm-hmm. But in his head, Nobody would help out like recently uh, this horrible, you know, thing that happened where, uh, you know, the the governor of Florida sent, you know, kind of gathered immigrants yes, and yes. sent them to, you know, to another to a liberal state to, mm-hmm. and thinking, oh, now I'm going, you know, how do you like it? Huh? 
all these all these people coming into your community, and now you're going to send them away, aren't you? You're not going to help them. Well, he's kind of looking at them. He he's thinking that they're going to react the way he would react. Yeah, but yeah, of, that's that's similar. Yeah, but of course, in those towns, in those sit in those states, they 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 accepted them and they helped them and they you know they gave them what they needed. Mm-hmm. And it's this kind of notion that a, a terrible person thinks that other people would act the same way they would. And But he actually made, in, in this case, he actually made George buy into that thinking, which is why he feels so low and so alone now. And, uh, I mean, that was just an incredible moment, that that prayer from, from George. And, of course, <laughs> he gets a punch in the face right after that, which is, <laughs> I mean... It, it, it was in response to his own actions. It was the teacher's husband that punched him. But it feels like the way George's life goes, he's used to getting punched in the face uh, at, at certain moments. And so he just got a literal punch in the face. And mm. by the way, what was Mr. Welch doing in the bar with the sobbing wife at home? I'd really like to know that. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, so George, so, so um, but anyway, that I think that, uh, miserable attitude of Mr. Potter's that you described has uh, what has leaked into George's mind enough in his low and vulnerable moment that he he believes now that nobody would come to his aid and mm-hmm. that's why he's alone and he's he's really seriously thinking of of going to his death and again this isn't a a moment of depression this is his way out like his way to help yeah, because because um, Mr. Potter, another thing that he let influence him, Mr. Potter telling him you're worth more dead than alive because of his insurance policy. Mm-hmm. And so it's um, a horrible thing to say to somebody. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 like the 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 um, it's like Pete Potter, basically. Yeah, it's the most Mr. Potterish thing you could possibly say. <laughs> And uh, and here at last we have Clarence, <laughs> and it, it just—it's amazing to me. We we tend to remember Clarence so much that the angel in this movie, and yet he doesn't come in. At, we there, we had that one little bit at the beginning, and then he doesn't really come in until the last quarter of the movie. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this part is going to be so memorable and so iconic. Yeah, and, and, and so striking that I, I this part stays with everybody. And there, there, uh, George goes to save him. <laughs> Which, again, when I, the, it took me so long to watch this movie because I thought the whole movie was the, was the dream sequence or whatever you want to call that, the alternate reality. Mm-hmm. When it's really just a small part of the movie. Yeah, and I love how seamlessly it's all handled. Um, we got that bit at the beginning, and they they went back into the past, and they came forward into the present, and then Clarence just inserts himself at a certain point, and and things carry on. It, it's it's uh, very nicely and seamlessly handled. Mm-hmm. And uh, here we have Clarence in his old fashioned underwear, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> yeah, and I love how matter of fact Clarence is. He's not pretending to be human. He's not pretending to be, you know, anything. Right. All he is is that he's, uh, you know, he's an angel. And so he has no problem telling people that he's an angel. And this poor guy here, another another one of the great, great characters, uh, he keeps leaning forward to try to spit. And then he never gets it out of his mouth. <laughs> Clarence keeps startling him out of it. I mean, that tobacco has to be really, really disgusting, but. Not that it's ever not, but whatever. Mm-hmm. 
And George gives him a look. He's like, oh, boy. (laughs) At this point, George is just like, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Like another nutter in this town that I have to deal with. Mm. And again, which, you know, of course, we saw that with the fact that uh, that teacher, the teacher's husband punched him, which made him feel, you know, yeah, nobody's going to help me. But mm-hmm. you could argue that the teacher had every right to punch George after the way he spoke to his wife. He he, he kind of asked for that one, yeah. And he, and the town took George's side. You yeah, know, <laughs> it's kind of sad that this guy yeah. he's he's they didn't had really to, know the backstory, um, right? So I don't know what would have happened if they if they had known it. But but it's true that uh, Martini, I mean Martini, George had helped him get a house mm-hmm. and. And he, I be, he basically says, George is my best friend. So, like, yeah. uh, he, without knowing anything, he basically snaps to and and uh, helps George out without thinking. And so, um, so yeah, that, that um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's how, that's how that comes, comes about. Yeah. And uh, Henry Travers, I want to say he was another, um, he was another act, another go-to Capra actor. I'm not sure. I, I'm blanking out now on what else he's been in. Uh, but he he is a familiar face. He he was in a lot of things, and his eyebrows are just giving me great joy right now. <laughs> <laughs> Best eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> but he's got that. I, I could totally see him in other Frank Capra movies because he's got such a sweet face. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and just such, a, such an air of. Um, I don't know what the word is. Just, just such a such a sweet air about him. Just mm-hmm. so, so, just sort of like amiably making his way through the world, you know. <laughs> He's just, just such an innocence, and, and um, you know, it makes him it makes him a really great fit for this part. <laughs> I love George playing along. You're like, you got eight thousand dollars? No, we don't use money in heaven. Oh, right, right. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think he calls him Gabriel at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. And, uh, yeah, he's he's essentially trying to save uh, George to get his wings, and he doesn't know how, so he's got to think about how to help George. And... and you know, I mean, which is very strange. He has this incredible power power to to mm-hmm. manipulate space and time. Yeah, but he's got to come up with an idea first. With an idea of how to use it. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, and, and then George hands him the key when he says, I wish I'd never been born. Um, and uh, and that's when we head into... Um, yeah. This whole alternate reality sequence, um, and uh, we're going to get sort of Christmas Carol. It, it it's like a reverse Christmas Carol. I wrote an article about this once because mm. um, because the idea just intrigues me so much, and um, and the parallels are so interesting. How how um, Dickens makes you go makes Scrooge go look back on his life and see how bad he's been, and that changes him. Mm-hmm. And Clarence takes George back to look at at what good things he's done, and that changes him. And, 
<laughs> and uh, it's just, I, I could send you that link for the show notes. Yes, please. Um, if you want it. But, but uh, it's, um, it, it seems like whether we've been good or bad, there's just something about looking back on the past in our own lives that, that sort of puts things in a new light mm. for us. And, and uh, kind of makes you wish that uh, Clarence had gone to Mr. Potter. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, that, then you would have had straight up Christmas Carol. Then Lionel Barrymore would have had that chance to to straight up play Scrooge. Right. Which, imagine, with all of his wealth, what good he could have done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and and how he could have been part of part of the community instead of like a blight on it. Mm-hmm. And um, I, and I, I got to say, I do love these little touches that now George can hear out of his left ear. Yeah. That his yeah. his lips stopped bleeding because he doesn't exist. It, he never he never lost hearing. He never got punched. And, and he's explaining it away by saying it must have been the cold water or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Which is interesting now I think of it because he originally lost the hearing by going into the cold water. Yeah, when, as a child. That's, a, yeah. that's an interesting little callback. Um. So, the, so um, there's another change. He never hit that tree. Yeah, and again, he and this is the first sign things are different. Like this is uh, the oldest tree in Pottersville. Mm-hmm. And he's like Pottersville. What do you? What do you? What's Pottersville? Because of course, the first thing Potter would do is name the town after himself. <laughs> He's like yeah, yeah. There's no. He's trying to figure things out. I I must have left the car at Martini's. Yeah, and of course, uh, Martini's is looking. Um, at, at first, it's not so different. It's more crowded, mm-hmm. but at first, not so different that you could tell there's a big difference. But um, now, what's super interesting here is that Nick's character is completely changed. Yeah, um, we're gonna we're gonna run across all the the or a lot of the familiar characters, uh, a lot of them are different in a lot of ways, but like Nick is completely different. Yeah. And uh, it's like, okay, how did that happen? Like, like what George's influence was and, and all the ripple effects on the town were enough to like, just make this man, this one man, a different person. And that's, um, that's fascinating to think about. Well, and Yeah. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I'm saying that the town went to heck. Well, mm-hmm. uh, it's an adult podcast. The town went to hell once Potter yeah. took over. People... Go, go on and say it. <laughs> That's exactly what it did. Yeah. So people aren't, there's no money to be made there. People are broke. This is a miserable town. So now they co- they come to this bar to get drunk. And mm-hmm. that's the kind of person that that Nick turned into. He grew up instead of a beautiful, nice neighborhood where he can, you know, give a few drinks to his friends. Now he's in a miserable town where drunk people, you know, what he says, you know, uh, we we serve hard, hard liquor to men who want to get drunk fast, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so it, 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 it embittered yeah. him. Yeah. It, it's just like, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good point. It, it's just like, um, you know, there, there's, there's no room for anything here, but like, it just, pleasure or gratification or oblivion. <laughs> just like like these are the only only uh 
things you can live for. And only Frank Capra could have put a line like every time an angel, a bell rings, an angel gets his wings into the middle of this scene. Yeah. <laughs> Again, that, that quintessential Capra juxtaposition of dark and light jammed right up next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, if you set that, if, if you said that line in the middle of a, of a sweet scene in a, a children's hospital or, or something like that, I mean, saccharine beyond belief, but Capra knows how to give it to you. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it's just, it's just so well done. And I do love this uh, Sheldon Leonard who plays Nick, especially yeah, this yeah. accent, because I pointed, I, I found him when my wife was watching, um, gosh, what's the uh, Frank Sinatra uh, of Guys and Dolls. Guys and Dolls, yes. And he had this accent. <laughs> he had this accent because he was one of the gangsters. And I'm like, is that Nick? And my wife's like, what do you mean? Like Nick from It's a Wonderful Life. Is that him? Because of that accent. And she looked it up and like, that is Leonard Jenner, uh, Sheldon Leonard. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was well spotted. Yeah. And here's Mr. Gower and here's, um, here's the, like the biggest, the biggest yeah. shock yet. Uh, yeah. Uh, that not only that he doesn't recognize George, but that he's like, he's a shell of a man. He's a wreck. And George is just hit hard by this. And I mean, there's, there's the most direct example yet of how things have changed. Uh, he did 20 years for poisoning a kid. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just the child died and Mr. Gower or presumably died. And Mr. Gower, um, his career and life were ruined and um yeah so so now we're really starting to get into things yeah again and what's uh, you know even the, the yeah it's not called martinis it's called nicks mm -hmm. uh the the woman who uh gosh i, I forget her name all uh, constantly um the, the you know the, the the one who he gave a loan to there at the at the bank before it all went down Violet. Violet, yeah. How she's also in a bad way. Mm -hmm. You know, her life ended up terribly. You know, Mr. Gower, the worst. Nick is a terrible person. The, yeah. the whole town and is falling apart. This little scene here, things start... I, I love this little scene here. It's very Twilight Zone. And it makes you think how, how this could have made a fantastic episode of the Twilight Zone. Yeah. It would have condensed a lot. But... um just that there's a sort of eerie feel to this whole scene and the, the, the music goes a little bit um, eerie mm -hmm. way in the background and, um, and just the mood that's starting to come over George where it's like, he's almost starting to believe it, but he can't quite yet, but he's, he's really knows that something is wrong. And um, it's just so wonderfully twilight zone. -ish. Yeah. His, uh, his brother died because he wasn't, uh -huh. No, no, actually, his brother died when he was a child. Right, right, yeah. And and Clarence here is just the same Clarence he's been all along, just just plainly insisting on the simple fact. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and, uh, and very gentle, but very insistent and very firm and, and uh, driving George frantic. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I love his little asides. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, I didn't have no, a drink. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's not the end of everything if an angel has a drink, but he just wants to, he just wants that established for the record. Yeah. Now, you hear people say sometimes, and maybe these are the same people you were talking about earlier who write the, like, hot takes, but you hear people <laughs> say sometimes, hey, Potterville seems like a happening place, you know, it it, it, seem, it seems uh, really cool, I'd live there, blah, 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 but it, 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 see, when you, when people say that, they miss the point of, um, of what this town is doing to people um mm -hmm. and and all these little scenes with all these different individuals it's like yeah this looks like a lot of fun but it is soulless yeah it's ethics it's without morals it's without values and look at violet look at what it's done to her i mean yeah when we last saw her she was she was bent on turning her life around and now here she's going into the paddy wagon or whatever because um the this life this town has just wrecked her right and, and uh and um so it's i mean like it, it's all fun and games until it starts like ruining people's lives right and, and um yeah go ahead well the, the, like you know one of the businesses is a pawn shop mm -hmm. you know which now when you go around these uh these neighborhoods there's these uh cash for gold places these check cashing places which are there to rip people off mm -hmm. you know and these ca these check loan places they make money by charging you interest on you know on an advance on your check which mm -hmm. if you're already struggling to make money it's it's going to be hard for you to pay that money back so you're just constantly giving these people money and that's mm -hmm. the plan Mm -hmm. You know, and so yeah, the, these pawnbrokers are just yeah. there to for you to sell your things so you can get quick cash. And it's sort of the antithesis of everything that George has stood for. Yeah. Um. So. So yeah, it, it's um. It that's the whole pawnbroker thing. That that's it. That's very telling. Mm -hmm. And um. And so here here we come to his house, um. This is really a beautifully shot scene, and again, this, the the score here is very good. Uh, Tompkin is is uh, Dimitri Tompkin, I think, is not my favorite film composer. I think some of his scores are like not the best, but he does some really effective work here. So, mm -hmm. so shout out to him. I think I think this is some of the best work he ever did. He, he's had these moments where it's just like this very quiet, eerie. Uh, music in the background. He's used it a couple of times now, and and I really like it. It adds a lot. So the, of course the house is empty and cobwebby. Yeah. And um, there's a shot coming up here with silhouettes that I just love. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, yeah that that is a great shot. Yeah, and here now they're now all four in silhouette, and it it's just um, it's so good. Yeah, this is Burton Ernie, and the, this is, you're right. This is a great shot. They're all in shadow, so you can't mm -hmm. barely make out their faces. So they are strangers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This, exactly. Oh man, that's. And so, of course, they're arresting him simply because he seems crazy. <laughs> right. And, and uh, Clarence to the rescue. Yeah. <laughs> and George gets away. <laughs> help, Joseph! Joseph, help! I know. And uh, 
And I, it fascinates me, speaking of the music, that uh, Claritz's little uh, motif is uh, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, which uh, you wouldn't, isn't the first thing you would think of for an angel, but then he, they, they used stars to symbolize the angels at the beginning. So, yeah, it kind of works. Yeah. And, and it's just like, uh, above all else, it's just a cute, whimsical little tune. And uh, yeah, here the, the meeting with his mother is truly creepy. And uh, Beulah Bondi could also go to the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it, it wasn't just the, the, the main actors here who could do that. She was, she was fantastic here. And, and you see, I mean, in this reality, she had she had uh, her husband, she had her son, Harry. She didn't have George, but but uh, she's lost everything. Yeah. Um, she's even lost Uncle Billy. He's in the insane, insane asylum. And basically she has nobody and it has it has or she's lost everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's just wrecked her again. Another person who's been wrecked. Yeah. And all again, uh, you know. The town is still there, but it mm -hmm. belongs to Mr. Potter, who now uses it for profit and yeah. only for profit. Whereas with, you know, Bedford Falls, it still makes money. It's still a good town. It's just not as rich, maybe, <laughs> or not. I don't know. It's, it's you know, you could go one. And I know that this is super oversimplifying things, but. You know, when you have a good community with good jobs and good, you know, good people, you make money off of the, you yeah. know, it's just not as fast. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, uh, again, here's another, uh, Christmas Carol, uh, parallel, <laughs> a, a graveyard scene only George is going to see his, um, his, uh, brother's grave instead of his own. And, uh, here is that payoff I talked about that smacks you in the gut that uh, um, Harry didn't save those people because you weren't there to save Harry, you know, yeah. <laughs> George, you, it, Harry may be the war hero, but you played an important part. And um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, it going back to, to uh, Stewart and Capra's own war service. Stewart's more, I guess, because uh, Capra was involved in the war more as a documentarian. Uh, Stewart was involved in the action directly, but mm -hmm. but uh, out to his own service, like his his service was possible because, as you said, uh, the ho on the home front back home, they were making sacrifices and they were supporting the the, the effort. And yeah. um, even a war hero doesn't go it alone. And here we have, and, which is, she's an old maid. She never married. He, he's know. asking about Mary and he's like, oh no, like he's willing to tell him everybody else's fate, but no, yeah. not the worst of all. <laughs> yeah, this, this has not aged well. <laughs> now, a spinster librarian honestly does not sound like the worst of all possible fates. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, this is 1947, and every now and then you're going to get something that's, that's a, a little bit dated, yeah. Yeah. and um, But it is, you know, I, I mean, it is, you, you still get the sadness that Mary doesn't know him and is scared of him and running from him because, um, I mean, that at least carries over. Yeah. And, um, 
And uh, so, yeah, so that's still sad. And, and interesting, I, I find it interesting that even in this reality, without George, Mary still didn't marry Sam Lane. Right? That's what I mean. Yeah, that's what I was about to bring up is that I've often jokingly said that uh, <laughs> that George ruined Mary's life because she could have married Sam. She could have, mar- you know, had a great life with a rich guy instead of being like this, you know, with an abusive, angry person, you know, who never became successful. The reality is she didn't want to marry Sam. I know. She, she really wasn't in love with him. And she's not going to marry him simply because he's he's rich. Because yeah, she's got more I, integrity than that. Yeah, and I like that. And it, it it shows her integrity. And I I wish she got a little bit more credit for that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, I mean, um, she, I guess she couldn't stand the hee-haw any more than I could. But yeah. <laughs> he always does that. I don't know yeah, why. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, she, um, uh, where, where did my train of thought go? Yeah. I, I mean, it would be interesting to see the alternate reality where she does marry him, but, uh, I mean, maybe I'll write that fanfic someday, <laughs> but yeah, they, they just weren't meant to be together and she knew it. She didn't love him at all. And so, yeah, I mean, props to her for, for not, uh, selling out. Yeah. And now, interestingly, here is where George prays again. Now we, as I said at the beginning, um, you could be just so religious and no more in this in this mm, movie. Yeah. And um, George's in some ways, this is what they call a pretty secular Christmas movie. Um, George's answer isn't, you know, God is with you. God loves you. Uh, George's answer to his prayer um, was this this dream sequence. But he did pray and now he prays again. And so that whole experience was bookended with prayer. And so it's like, okay, God was in this. It's just like in a very subtle way. Right. And I, I do love this because, you know, the fact it, it, they were in a snowstorm before when he doesn't exist, the snowstorm and uh, wasn't there. The fact that George doesn't exist didn't change the weather. <laughs> that that's but it's a great little symbol of mm-hmm. two different realities. Mm-hmm. You know, when he prays, all of a sudden the the snow starts to fall, which mm-hmm. which is a signal to us that things are back to normal. Yes. And and uh I mean the joy here. This is again this <sighs> is Christmas Carol. This is so like Scrooge going over the top happy and <laughs> goes there and Capra goes there. And I love that about both of them. And his situation has not changed at all. Like he's still, and, and he's about to say it, he's still going to jail. Yeah. He's still, he's still broke. He's still in this horrible situation, but he's so happy. <laughs> and uh, Yeah. It, it's just amazing. And uh, I think that's the last time we see Mr. Potter, and and uh, mm-hmm. it, he he doesn't know yet, but his little scheme is all foiled again. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, there's the bank examiner to arrest him with the mm-hmm. press, mm-hmm. you know, because Potter was a man of his word. He sent, he called the examiner to send him to jail. And the last thing they expected was George to be happy about it. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, um. Uh, but uh, as often as George gets foiled by fate, Potter also gets foiled by fate right. <laughs> or God or whatever you want to call it. And here is the last little incident with that knob. And now he's kissing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the, the way the way they use objects in this movie right. is just 
I mean, that if that isn't the perfect example of it, <laughs> and uh, and everything is okay with the kids, uh, yeah. he's playing with the kids, and and um, this is so cute, yeah. And um, these these little signs, which um, in um, uh, Groundhog Day, there's uh, a scene where uh, what's his name, Bill Murray, he keeps waking up and it's the same day. And there's one moment where he breaks a pencil and he puts it on his bedside table. And then the next day when he wakes up, he grabs the pencil and it's unbroken again. <laughs> and it's that great little moment when uh, the story goes that they actually had the scene where he's destroying his, his, his room. He's mm -hmm. just, he's, you know, tearing open the pillows. He's smashing, you know, or the pillows. He's smashing windows. He's breaking things. He shaves a, a mohawk into his head. <laughs> you know, he shaves a mohawk. He, and then he goes to sleep. And then when he wakes up, everything is back to normal. Yeah. And it's just, watched, you know, I've never watched that movie. I have got really. To oh, yeah. You have to. One of those that I, I have always meant to watch and never got around to, and it's been recommended like a thousand times, and I've got to watch it. I have to see if it's on uh, Netflix or somewhere. Yeah, it is a delight. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. But the fact is, is that they were watching it. The filmmakers were watching it, and they're like, the scene doesn't really work. And so then somebody came up with the idea: why not just break a pencil? Yeah. And that little moment is so much more symbolic. Keep it simple. And, yeah. And, and, Simplicity is so often the the right way. And, yeah. And, uh, just like the and, snow, just like the little Zuzu's petals, you know. Uh huh. And now here here again we see we see um, the crowd and the crowd that's made up of individuals, which makes it a very Capra crowd. Right. And the crowd coming together in support, and um, and coming together to to rescue him, which mm -hmm. again um, makes it shows you Capra's awareness of a crowd's possibilities for good. And here's Annie. And I love her line about saving the money for a divorce. If she ever gets <laughs> and, um, um, all the, all these, all these uh, familiar characters getting to show up one more time. And, and uh, mm -hmm. again, being so having moments that are just so characteristic of them. Yeah. And again, this is the crowd that Mr. Potter said would run him out of town on a rail and if he asked him for help. And how wrong he was. Yeah. yeah. And, and Mary, at this point, you have to, you almost have to ask yourself, okay, is Mary the hero of this movie? Because, I mean, obviously George is the hero, but Mary, if Mary hadn't done this, this all this would not have happened. Yeah. No, she got working the phones. She got out and asked for help. Uh, she went to Uncle Billy and, I mean, she did all of this and, um, like, I mean, she is indispensable. Well, yeah, because she she saw something in George that he didn't see in himself. The fact yeah. that he didn't believe that the townspeople would help him. But she knew because she loves him as much as they do. Uh-huh. And know? also she loves this town. Yeah. And, and uh, she, she, um, she is as we said before, tied to the town, maybe symbolic of the town a little bit. Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah. So it, it's, it's almost incredible to, um, 
to think that this movie didn't do well when it came out. I know. That's, um, that's, the, that's and, the little trivia, that it was kind of a – the reason it got popular uh, – no, go ahead, please. Uh, no, you you tell them. Well, um, it was because of a loophole in copyright uh, that allowed it to be shown on TV, and they started showing it on TV every Christmas, and uh, people – just glommed onto it and loved it and and uh it gave it a whole new life and so i mean thank god for that <laughs> because it would have been terrible if it had been sort of lost to history um but yeah it, it's again you have to look at the mood of the country when it came out now um it was for for best picture best director and best actor at the oscars this year it was up against um, the best years of our lives, which is all about the war, mm, which yeah. is specifically oh, man, yeah. about soldiers coming home from the war. And, uh, you know, I can't resent that, that it won the Oscars. It is a great, great film. We should maybe do it sometime on yeah. this. Um, it's a little bit long, but it's, it's so good and so touching. And I mean, honestly, best picture could have gone either way that year. I, they're they're both so great. I would have given best actor to Stuart. Um, Frederick March was gave a fine performance. He always did, but uh, Jimmy Stewart went to places here that that March just didn't, mm -hmm. and um, what was so raw and so visceral. I mean, I even in Vertigo or some of his westerns when he had to be really really uh unhinged he never got quite as raw as he got here i think right so um yeah so this performance i think was oscar worthy but um i mean oscars are you know they're weird sometimes they go to the deserving and sometimes they go to to um they go to strange places yeah. <laughs> or strange, strange, <laughs> strange things and um but it, it ultimately what matters is that we have this wonderful movie we have the wonderful all those wonderful performances and um it's just so, um, so iconic and so inspirational and so good. Yeah. And it's that thing, the, uh, you know, and I mentioned that when we did, um, when we did uh, A Christmas Carol is as Ebenezer Scrooge is super rich. He has a ton of money, but he has no friends. Mm -hmm. And so he really has nothing to live for. You know, it's that the, you know, and I brought up the, the uh, you know, I have to make it philo philosophical because, you know, my brain works too fast for, me. but the notion that, you know, if there's no purpose to life, then everything becomes the meaning of life. You know, the people you're with are what makes, you know, what gives your life meaning. Ebenezer Scrooge's girlfriend, who he never, or I forget, did he ever marry her? Or did he uh, just... They were engaged, but no. Yeah, yeah, he... They, they... But when the ghost takes her, takes him to her, you know, she's happy because she's amongst people that she's helping. And mm -hmm. he has nothing. He has nobody because all he has is his wealth. And mm -hmm. here, you know, in that book, it's written, you know, no man is poor or a man is rich who has friends, you know. Mm hmm and it's it's that 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 whole thing of being around people, which makes it such a great Christmas movie. Our friendships are what makes us, you know, what gives us purpose and meaning. And so, yeah, that's uh, it's a wonderful life. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, Frank Capra. Yeah, and it's a wonderful movie. <laughs> oh boy, so. <laughs> 
Uh, that 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 I, I don't know. That that is a great film. I don't know. I I would say it's probably a perfect film because there's no fat to it. There's nothing to trim off. Mm-hmm. It's all good. It says yeah. exactly. It all those little things are so important to the film that it's it's just it seems like a perfect film. And I don't know if it's my sen- sentimentality or if it actually is. Yeah, I think it really is. It, it's. Um... We, we we touched on, as you suggest, we touched on so many little things that um, that just add up to to so much. It, it, it's it's a film made out of wonderful little moments of little details of um, of lines that um, that are so deep. Even some some of the throwaway lines are, are so profound and it's just. It really is great. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, there you go. It's a Wonderful Life by Frank Capra. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for uh, doing this again. Uh, you're, I, I don't know who else I could have done this this movie with or who else I would have wanted to. Because uh, I think you're, uh, you're, you're, you know, your knowledge of classic films and Jimmy Stewart and all, it's, uh, yeah, you're just uh, always perfect for these movies. Oh, I'm so honored. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And so, again, I'm sure I'll have you back for another one in the future. Best years of our lives. I think that that's uh, that's one to do. I think that would be worth doing. It's it's nearly three hours, but it's it's another one that, like, I mean, just worth worth spending the time on. It's full of wonderful moments, wonderful uh, performances. Great truths, and it would be interesting to to compare and contrast these two now that we've done this one and and sort of seen. I mean, Oscars aside and, and Oscar races aside and everything. I mean, what a gift to have two movies like this come out in one year. I mean, yeah. people may not recognize it at the time fully, but but what a abundance of <laughs> what an embarrassment of riches. Almost. Yeah, and both these films, It's a Wonderful Life and Best Years of Our Life, are both in the uh, uh, Library of Congress. Uh, mm. you know, film registry that uh, they will always be protected and taken care of as uh, as films that represent American cinema. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. deservedly so. And deservedly so, yes. Okay, so uh, again, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate you doing this. And, uh, it's been great. Yeah, and uh, everyone listening, thank you so much for listening. We love doing these and we hope you love listening to them and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to the Commentarians Podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thecommentarians. Thank you for listening, and until next time, remember, movies are a reflection of our lives and of other people's lives, and we get to experience them together. Come back to the movies with us. We love sharing them with you.